take your mark get set it's time for the addict athlete podcast everybody coach blue robinson here hey thanks for everyone who's been downloading and listening to the podcast all of you who have been listening to this podcast and sharing it with others we really do appreciate that addict athlete can be used for anyone from any kind of addiction it doesn't have to be substance abuse specifically it could be any kind of addiction but we want to erase the addiction and replace it with things of greater value if you haven't had a chance or opportunity to jump onto our website you're missing out because we have a ton of stuff on there lots of resources lots of things to do to get in touch and in tune with how to get uh, addict athlete in your corner right now we have some awesome experiences to be had with our online sober coaching and uh, if you want to be a certified sober coach and open a chapter or become a professional in your own right addict athlete sober coaching is perfect for that avenue you can find all that resource and more on our website, addicttoathlete.org. Uh, we have some great opportunities also for some personalized coaching. If you find that you're in a place where addict to athlete meeting may not be uh, something you can do because of location or just uh, time constraints, we have a new program that will help personalize your training, not only for physical fitness and nutrition, but also for recovery resources and assistance. So a lot of cool things that we have going on the team that uh, will definitely help you in a lot of different areas, get your sobriety established, and then become part of Team Addict to Athlete. Well, everybody, I'm excited today in the studio. We've got a great individual who has, uh, I'd say, epitomized what addiction recovery looks like. She makes it look really good. Um, I'm excited to have her here because of not just her story, but just her willingness to serve in her community and to really kind of take life back. She's been on Team Addict to Athlete for, what, about, what, six, seven months, eight, nine? How, How long have we known you now? Nine months. Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll get rolling in today's podcast. Say hi. Hi, I'm Janelle Wilkinson. Happy to be here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a new, it's a new fun thing. You're like, man, I didn't know I was signing up for all this when I joined the team. It's a little intimidating. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. You know what though? But uh, that's awesome because what it tells me is that, uh, you know, you're coming to this situation kind of wanting to learn as well. And I think that's one thing that I've always seen you do like tremendously well was that, you don't have all the answers, and so you're willing to like seek them out, so to speak, right? And so this will be a great experience for you. But uh, Athlete Wilkinson, she is an amazing individual. Not only do you participate in Team Addict to Athlete, but you're also part of another group. Why don't you talk about that before we get rocking and rolling? What else do you do in your free time? So I'm part of Addicts Fighting Back. I'm on the board of it. We do a lot of service. We're focused on service and showing the community that we're willing to give back. So Addicts Fighting Back is relatively new, but you guys have done some tremendous work. When did it start and how did you get involved with it? Well, I think it started a few months before they approached me. They approached me in August, I would Mm -hmm. say, um, after I did a fundraiser for Rise. Um, Jason DeGraw Mm -hmm. approached me and asked me if I wanted to be on the board. And I'm all, I'll be on the board, but you need to realize that I'm not just one. Yeah. Decided. I have lots of things that lots are of interest huh? to me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, service always kind of been like a part of your life, or have you just found this now that you've established some some foundations of sobriety? So, I used to think that I didn't have anything to offer. I didn't really mm-hmm. believe it, um, and it was just a weird click. Like when I got out of the treatment center I was in, like I'm all, I want to do something to give back. What can right. I do? And it's obviously not money. I don't exactly. have that. Mm-hmm. But I could cook. I could make some pancakes and I could... Spend time. Yeah. Invest time. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start a little bit. Of, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you, know, you do have that component of wanting to serve and to be part of the recovery community, which you've been doing now tremendously. Tell us a little bit about you and how you kind of found yourself in that situation where I got to meet you and how we kind of met too. I mean, you can start wherever you want and we'll kind of go from there. So I have been an addict most of my life. I've been in and out of detention, rehabs, jail. You name it, huh? Yeah. Um, Mountain Peak was my 15th rehab. 15th? I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's intense. It was my 15th time going to treatment. And when I went there, it was just like I wasn't ordered to go, but I was so sick of the way I was living. I'd lost everything and I'd accepted that. Mm -hmm. I accepted that I wasn't going to get my kids back. I accepted that I wasn't going to have a marriage. I accepted all of that and Mm -hmm. just said, take me where I need to go. Yeah. (laughs) Tumbleweed where the wind blows you, right? Yeah. What's interesting? 15, 15. I mean, why not number six or seven or eight or nine? Like what was... What was the problem in your mindset, maybe just in your in your willingness? Like, why didn't those ones take hold back then? I learned a lot from 
every time I went. I think right. I learned something. Um, didn't have hope, though. I didn't think that I was worth it, and I never saw the white picket fence life for me. Mm. Like, that's not meant for me. Because it was w- a struggle growing up, wasn't it? I mean, you didn't have the silver spoon. Uh, in fact, your story's kind of like mine, where there's a lot of, like, dysfunction and stress and trauma and, and you know, waves of life hitting you as a kid. And so, really, you're a lot like me at that stage where, like, maybe we just don't get that playbook. Maybe we have to create our own thing. And so you just kind of accept the fact that maybe that life's not mine. Maybe I got to be in that world of like hurt and scarcity and all that, right? Yeah, definitely. And I thought that I was leaving my family behind. I thought I was leaving my brother behind. I mm-hmm. thought that if I went and got what I got, then my family would be behind. I'd have to leave them. Right. And tell me about that too, because your, your mindset is, is awesome that way, because I felt that same way. Like one of the hardest things I ever had to do was to walk away from family. And so what do you think puts us in that mindset of like, they won't be able to function without me. Therefore I'm kind of like stuck here. Like I can't move forward. Does that make sense? Like, where do you think we, we buy into that fact that like we are the hinge pin that keeps all that together and that we can't leave them behind? Well, I think it was just through our whole childhood and our whole lives like uh, we were raised that the society is the enemy and Mm -hmm. we need to stick together nobody else can hurt us but we can hurt each other and that's okay right and so So your mindset was completely like i can't really you know move too far out of this lifestyle this situation because that means abandoning all that i know i mean Think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. I mean, being kind of typecast and forced into that box of like, this is your place and this is where you'll always be. The first time you start feeling freedom and it starts feeling good, you get scared, right? You're like, oh, oh, getting getting too independent here, getting too self-reliant, better dumb myself down, so to speak. Yeah. Does that sound about right? It does. It does. And the thing is, is it was always like, oh, now you're better than us. Now you're oh, too good. and. Man. So it was, I was stuck in an abuse cycle that chose to stay in. Well, that we thought was normal, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, think about that. We think that's normal. I remember the very first time it was like very much a present was when I was in a car arguing with Marissa about you know, when we were dating about why I shouldn't answer this phone. My mom is calling me and I got to answer it. I don't know why, but that's just what you have to do because what if she's hurt? What if she needs me? What if, you know, fill in the blank? And she said, if it's important, it'll go to voicemail and you can call her back. And I'm like, okay, fine, watch. And it rang and it rang and then it stopped. And I waited for the beep to tell me there was a voicemail, right? And waited and waited and, and it never came. And I'm like, what the heck was this? Like we were in the middle of an intense conversation that I would have loved to have been distracted to <laughs> from to like answer that phone call. But then it kind of hit me like this woman is abusing my relationship with her, with, with her. My mother is abusing this relationship, you know, and here's Marissa saying, hey, we're what's important now. And that was so foreign to me because it was my job, my responsibility to take care of my mother. Does it make sense? It does, does it sound sense. familiar? It sounds super familiar yeah. i used to take care of my dad like if it wasn't for me he's gonna go back to prison like mm-hmm. my brother like mm-hmm. it was my job to keep him out of jail and yeah and how well did you do with all that right <laughs> not good it's like trying to clinch a hand a handful of sand and just trying to hold it all so you're squeezing it as tight that just you lose it all right <laughs> yeah and instead we like. made it a family affair mm-hmm. like in jail so it was just all of us <laughs> absolutely and you grew up in a small town didn't you and so it was kind of like everyone knew you guys and knew the situation and so it was like that that whole concept of your community kind of like oh here comes those guys because that's how it was growing up with me like like my family was was you know draper area when we lived there for a while very synonymous with drug addiction and drug dealing and and all kinds of weird shenanigans and you could feel it you know and so not only were you typecast at home but you're typecast in the community so you're growing up with all this kind of stuff you start learning a few things about yourself about where you fit get yourself into some abusive relationships in life and it's not easy to jump ship when that's all you know no it's not so i got with my husband and when i met him he protected me one time from my mom and my mom was super abusive he stopped mm-hmm. her and that was it i'm in love yeah, like this is the guy uh-huh. <laughs> i'm going to marry him right but it was the same concept in the relationship. You can hurt me, but nobody else can. Right. And so it didn't change anything. I was still stuck in an abusive relationship where I didn't know how to get out of. I was still alone. Mm. 
that makes a lot of sense. It brings up an, an issue that uh, Marissa and I went through an experience when, and, and I love him, and I hope he listens to the podcast. <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a, a sucker punch, Heath. But there was one time when uh, there was uh, we were at Marissa's mom and dad's house, and uh, we were at a gathering, and Marissa just had I think uh, I think it was Savannah Brooklyn, one of the one of the first kids, and she put on some some baby weight. And uh, her brother was kind of teasing her a little bit, and it made me mad. And so I jumped his, I, drum, I jumped him, and I'm like, "Don't you ever speak to her that way?" I said she may be your sister, but she's my wife. And I remember like staring him down, being like, "Dude, I outrank you now." And it was kind of interesting because it was, I was so pissed that he would be doing this to her because it was hurting her feelings. And I remember her mom and dad come looking at me like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 calm down." But that was it. Never happened again never happened again and i can say that we have a great relationship but it was she can take care of herself i know she can she's proven to me a million times but there is that time where you do have to step in but then you don't have to like suppress that and so i see what you're saying as well where you feel like wow this guy's standing up for me but really he was just taking the place of and it's like that's that's not healthy you know and so what did you do to cope with all this stuff i mean how did you how did you navigate through that many years of you know, kind of like that cycle of abuse. What did you do? It was normal to me at that time. It was, I thought it was love. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that he was really insecure because he loved me and didn't want me to leave. I thought that I was stuck home and he was jealous. And when it would get physical, I thought that it was love. I, I really mm-hmm. felt like it was love. And at one point, I didn't see myself living without him. So. Right, right. And when we get in that mindset of like, that's our normal, isn't it abnormal to see that there's a light on the other end of the tunnel, which is kind of weird to me because when I first met you, you didn't seem, I hope this isn't offensive, but you didn't seem that broken. You seemed to kind of have it together. Maybe it was because you had the aha moment, like I need to do this, but I've never seen you. I mean, I've never seen you weak ever. And so it's almost like, I'm like, you know, really? I don't believe it because of who I know you to be, which is awesome because I don't know that past person of you, but I've never seen you as being emotionally vulnerable or like, or like meek or like small. I've, I've only seen you being the person that rolls up her sleeves and like, we're getting this job done. So where did that come from then? If you're telling me it was kind of the opposite, not, not that you weren't like that before, but just channeled a different direction. Why is it now so independent? What happened? What was it that clicked for you? It was like, wait a minute, I get to be the writer of my own story? Okay, we're, we're changing chapters. We're going for a rewrite. Like, what What was it? Do you even know? I couldn't stick it on one thing, but I remember my entire mind switching when, when I chose that in my head, in my heart, I'd always said, yeah, I'm not going to go back to my husband. I'm going to leave him. But the second that I chose that that's not the path that I'm going to go anymore. And I chose me instead. That was the most empowering moment I think I've ever felt in my life. Can can you break that down a little bit? Because I think it's important. You chose you. Like, if you chose you, that means you had to sacrifice maybe a relationship that didn't truly exist or relationships that didn't exist. How, I mean, how did you make that determination? Because, again... That's a big deal. I don't think people realize the power in that, you know, like choosing you. It's what I had to do. It's what you've had to do. It's what all people, I think, that get a foundation of sobriety going is they choose themselves. You know, it's like the Buddhist philosophy, become one with yourself before anything or anyone else. Freaking brilliant in my eyes. How scary was that or how hard was it? Or like, did you feel like you were abandoning everybody else? I didn't know what to do with myself, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think I was obsessing over it, like, and I was trying to decide, like, I kept going back and forth, like, I made the decision, and now I'm going to obsess over it and say, now life's going to be terrible, what's going to... I didn't see much for my life, like, right. just loneliness. But then I realized running, like, just in running, mm-hmm. I realized that I'm not lonely today and I'm by myself. Yeah. I remember the loneliest I ever felt was right next to my husband. Right. And that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. So the situation was, if I'm not mistaken, was that there was a little period of incarceration that you got in touch with. It was the rise program that you found in there. 
what was it that uh, that James Child kind of introduced you to? Because he's the one that introduced us to you. Yes. James, he's kind of a big part of all this. James Childs, he saved my life. James Childs, I met him actually in the OUT program <laughs> several right. times um, through different incarcerations. And then he created the did Rise program. Did you ever bump program. into Val there? Did you ever? I did do it with Val. Wow. I did. He would be very upset with you if he knew you had to go back. <laughs> I <laughs> love that guy. Val's a great guy. Bless his heart. Uh, passed away many years ago, but but has left a very big impact. But So you've done the OUT program several times, but that's where you met James. It is where I met James. He was a volunteer just to come share his story. Mm-hmm. And... He sparked a little hope in me, and I kind of fed off that, but I didn't take it where I needed to take it. Like, Mm. I'm all, he must have been handed the tools or whatever, and I didn't think that that was something I was capable of. Right. And then the last time I was incarcerated, he had created the, it started as Chain Breakers. And that's when I was in it as Chain Breakers. I was Mm -hmm. one of the first groups. And it was James again, and I'm all, here we go. (laughs) You're back in my life. So I There's something here. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about what Chain Breakers was and how it became um, Rise. Like, what did the program teach you? Like, what do they do inside, like, the county jail? So Chain Breakers is a program that James created because he realized that once you get out of jail, you need help. You need Mm -hmm. somebody to help you, hold you accountable to follow through. They help arrange in treatment and sober living so that when you get released, that's where you go rather than the same place that got you there. Right. And I saw these people work so hard Mm -hmm. to save people and get them through And I know they're not all getting paid for it. In fact, James just volunteers this time. He will not get on the payroll. Yeah. And I was like... There's something to that, huh? Yeah, like, how could you do that? And it showed me people do care. Mm -hmm. Society does care. There are people out there who are fighting for us. And it was so inspiring. Tiffany is one of the therapists there, and Anne, they'll work off the clock they'll come get you after work or take you to your appointments they will take you to sober living they will tiffany dropped me off at Mm -hmm. mountain peak and Mm -hmm. that was not out of jail that was a year and a half after i got out of jail and they were still there still connected yeah and they saved my life like they never judged me james always cheered me on Mm -hmm. and it was all pure of heart and it was the most it felt very different to what you were used to yeah every time i ever accepted help before as a yeah. child i paid for it so i was like oh no yeah and so i met you at mountain peak you came rolling in there and needing some help and i happened to be employed there at that time and um you and i got to meet a little bit and that's why i say it's why i was very impressed by your inner strength i knew there was something very different about you because it was like you were you were, like you said you were ready um, for something different, for a change. And you had the world stacked against you, but you wouldn't, I mean, you couldn't tell other than the relationship issues you had in the marriage and the the problems you, you'd had there that typically, you know, happened to individuals in early recovery. Um, that's standard issue stuff, but you had a different approach to it. You had this, I'm ready, I'm going to do this. And I don't think that's, you know, very easy to come by these days. People will do it for other reasons. You did it for your own life. So I guess what I'm talking about for you is once you got into a situation, you know, up at treatment, um, what turned the light on even more? What engaged you to like say, wait a minute, I'm taking advantage of this time. This is this is my time now. Was it because everything had changed at home and you were kind of just you by yourself? Like what was it that changed for you? Nothing really changed at home. I think before I went to Mountain Peak, I was back at my dad's house. Mm-hmm. with all the drug dealers and all the drugs that anybody could ever want. I was back in the fear. Like Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but for substance use, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was back in the fear, waiting for the doors to get kicked in, just thinking, oh, 
this time I'm riding the bus with my dad to prison, yeah. you know, Any like second it's now. not gonna ever stop. I had to sleep with like a suitcase on my bed because there are weird people just walking into my bedroom while I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to keep that space occupied. occupied. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I was just sick of it. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. There's got to be something better. There has to be. Yeah. I don't know what it is, and I didn't. I had no idea what it was, mm-hmm. but there had to be something different. Right. So as you start surrendering now and start working on you and focusing on what you need, some amazing things start to happen. And it's, it was interesting to watch not just you kind of come out more of your shell, but also to find that inner power and strength that you've always had. I mean, you've survived a life of crazy trauma and you know the ripple effect of addiction um you have like you're like a superhero in my eyes and so as you start putting these things together and start kind of strengthening your foundation to build now on your recovery you mentioned you know about addict to athlete and, and what you found because part of your program there at the time and not anymore but they don't do it anymore but they were to come down to addict to athlete um what was that like for you to see something like that because i didn't expect you to jump into it like you did i really didn't i thought most people that come they'll get like oh yeah kind of inspired and great but you took it to the level of like actively participating so what was it about that team just the philosophy maybe just the people there that kind of got your eyebrows raised like maybe this is something different i'm gonna try this like why why did you even invest i invested because i knew what didn't work Mm-hmm. With my experience of rehabs, I knew what didn't work. And I was listening to all the lessons and to myself, like, and how I felt when I exercised and how I felt when I accomplished something a little bigger. And it was different. It was so different than anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not telling you this way is the only way every time somebody tells me this is the only way i kind of walk away from it <laughs> yeah you're like oh baloney yeah I like so that. um it was just non-judgment amazing people start at your pace you don't have to go in there and be like a world-class marathon runner you go in there because you're like i want to do something different right yeah and i did do like i didn't start off with doing a bunch of runs i started Mm -hmm. off with running after Mm -hmm. sometimes i would walk (laughs) sometimes i would do the 2k instead of 5k i'm with you like and it was okay i started with softball realized i didn't like it that much Mm -hmm. which was okay but like (laughs) i tried so many different things and it wasn't as intimidating as the thought of addict to athlete right was in my head like me as an athlete wasn't even like, there's no On way the I'm radar. an athlete. Yeah, but, I felt that way myself. But it's not as intimidating when you go there, and it's amazing. What did running start doing for you? Because you mentioned that a little bit, and so I know you want to talk a little bit about it, but what what has running done to you where you felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm not alone, I'm, I'm with myself? Like, like, tell me a little bit about what it does, because I remember specifically a time when you came back off a bass, and you're like, I was just getting crazy at my sister's house, and so I'm like, I'm going for a run, and they were all like, what? <laughs> like you just started running like Forrest Gump, all right? Like, what was that about? Like, what does what does running do for you? What did it do? Well, I think you started with EMDR. Mm-hmm. Is that how you call? It? Yeah, and taught me how to do that, and kind of mentioned before that you can do it when you run. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of concentrated on that. And focusing on left and right. Yeah. And it wasn't even a bad moment that made me want to run. We was actually at like a pond and on top of a hill. Mm -hmm. And like it was just actually a gratitude moment. But it was hard for me to comprehend because sometimes when I felt that gratitude, I felt like the guilt of me not being able to be what my sister was for my kids. Right. Yeah. And so I went for a run, and I'm all, just pick me up at the bottom. And my sister was thinking, <laughs> she's not going to make it to the bottom by the time we get there. And That's so funny. She almost turned around thinking she missed, she missed me you. because I was at the bottom. And she's, <laughs> she was super surprised. She was like, I didn't think that you were really going to make it to the bottom. <laughs> That's awesome. What'd that do for the esteem part? Just even when, just something as simple as that. I was like, I didn't think you'd be able to do that much or that far. What does it do? 
it felt good. Like my sister, for me to impress my sister is always an amazing feeling for me. Mm -hmm. It always has been like, my sister's kind of hard to impress sometimes. And it was neat. It was like, yeah, that was me. And I did that and I feel better and I'm sweaty. Until the next day when you couldn't walk because your legs were sore. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, well. <laughs> but this... it's good. You used it for what it was designed for. And I think it's awesome that you'd look at it through the eyes of the EMDR because one thing when I first started at Athlete that I thought was funny is that as people would run with me and we start talking, they start opening up and processing all this amazing stuff. And I'm like, where's this coming from? Not realizing that what it really is, is they're just processing you know, life because that's what it is, left-right brain stimulation, which essentially is what EMDR is. And so you can incorporate it quite quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think from then on, you know, when you graduated the program was right at the time that we left Mountain Peak. And so that was really strange. And so I don't think you realize what you did for us just by saying, hey, I'm doing this service project. I want you guys to be a part of it. And you reaching out to us because we were told that, no clients like you guys. You guys are too mean. And it was like, we're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it was really stupid, the whole thing, the way it went down. But then like, well, well, here's a testament to have that be false because Janelle's asking us to come be part of her, you know, her, her service project. So she likes us at least, right? <laughs> and so it's kind of funny because I'm like, wait a minute. It boils down to stupid or liar. You know, like either they're stupid or they're lying. And they had to have been lying because you reached out to us and said, no, you're part of our my recovery. You're part of my my friendship circle now. I want your guys' support. And so that was a big deal for us too, not just for the fact that you were doing something so out of the blue. Because when you posted that you were going to do this, it was the coolest thing because I started seeing all the people that were responding to your post. And there were people that I know that I've worked with that are professionals. And I'm like, oh, Heather Lewis and all these people. I'm like... I remember saying, Janelle, you mingle and rub shoulders with amazing people. That was a cool thing when you started seeing. What was that like when you started putting that very first project together? That was the biggest eye-opener ever. And I included people on that group specifically who had impacted my life mm -hmm. in dramatic ways. You're one of them. Heather Lewis is another. James Childs. Mm -hmm. um, I included people who really taught me. Yeah. Um, Tiffany Allred and my gratitude was so huge and the talk, help that I got about was that amazing. Fundraiser because what, what what were you doing? I mean, you just did the sound of the blue. You did this because you felt a need in the community. Like talk a little bit about what that first that first service project was right outside the gate of treatment. Like right as you left. What was it? So it was to raise money to help people from rise transition from jail to sober living because mm -hmm. obviously rise don't have a lot of money right they don't have the income to do that it's just it was to help rise mm -hmm. and show them that gratitude and to show hope and then it was to prove myself wrong like there's no reason to sit there and say just because I don't have enough clean time I can't do something to exactly. give back. Exactly. And so you put that together, the day came, it was a day that we were leaving. You kind of got out of the gate with making pancakes and this breakfast and it came together. You did it. And you raised the money and you were able to give it back. And it was awesome to watch it all kind of come together because I'm like, God, I didn't know I mean I knew that you had this quality of the doing, but I didn't realize the leadership that you possessed. Like, unrestrained, your leadership can be off the charts, which is interesting as to why, you know, you felt strong about helping out, you know, uh, addicts fighting back and, and all these things because you have that leadership in you and you've proved to yourself that you can do hard things. And so it'd be great to know that uh, life was all just roses and dandelions, but it wasn't. I mean, Coming out of treatment and out of out of you know residential and starting this new life, you had a lot of situational issues that you needed to like be a part of. You know, being a mom, preparing to get your kids back, um, you know, having your daughter come with you. I mean, you've had to face a lot of challenges now that you've done sober. Can you tell the difference on how you've been able to kind of rise to that label as mom? Remember me telling you that I'm like, you're gonna be a mom. I can, I know you will. I remember the first time we sat in a group together and you called me mama bear and I was so offended. Mm -hmm. Like, don't you put mama in anything 
that I am because that is not who I am. I've failed that and that's not me. Mm -hmm. And I believe that to my soul. And I didn't expect to get my kids back. I didn't expect to like do anything but maybe visit some of them, not Mm -hmm. even all of them. And it's crazy how life works and it threw some blows like Mm -hmm. my sister's husband passed away and suddenly and I was able to rise to the challenge and help my kids through that because that's that's the person that's been involved in their life and now you get to step up and say hey all right if life is going to throw me this I'm prepared I can help I can do this yeah I'll be there and It's my chance to give back to her Mm -hmm. and my chance to show my kids that I can be there during hard times. Absolutely. And I refused to not, I'm I'm not going to let me be another cause of their pain with the pain that they're going through. Like I've Mm -hmm. been a source of their pain for so much of their life. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a source of their pain. I want to show them how to grow from that pain and how to heal from it. Absolutely. Just as you have done and are doing. I mean, it's an ongoing process, right? Yeah. It was interesting. The other day you had a you had a little motherly problem where, you know, one of your kids, your oldest daughter, was being being kind of a goofball like most kids her age are. And Marissa was reading me the text that you'd sent her and about how you approach that situation. And I'm like, I don't think I could have done any better. Like from from like, you know, having that relationship before rules of like, well, all right, guess you're doing a writing assignment now, and this is what I wanted on. I thought we were just sat there and smiled and laughed. We're like, she is doing it. Like it was the coolest thing and something that you felt naturally inclined to do, to not punish, but to teach. And did you know you were doing that? I mean, you, you approach these situations of like parenting, like like, you, like you're, you're an absolute pro at it, knowing that you're still learning, but like that was cool. And I don't know if you realize how awesome like, the way you handled that situation as an appropriate parent really was do do you realize that well i was pretty proud of myself i beginning of the whole situation i was so angry i was like i am going to find her and she is gonna get my word i'm gonna go pound on the door and be the big old mean person Mm -hmm. and then i was like no i'm not like no i'm not i'm gonna sit here and think about it like i went and got her and picked her up and said let's go to work Gave her work clothes, and she tried to talk to me about it. And I'm all, let's not talk about it until after work. I'm all, I love you, and that's what you need to know right now. I'm not ready. And then all day at work, I just sat there and thought, like, how am I going to approach this? And even after work, I hadn't even fully figured it out. But then I went to the gym for an hour and ran. (laughs) After a full day at work. I love it. I had to because I uh-huh. couldn't figure it out. And then I came back and I'm all, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> and it's probably like way on a left field for her. She's like, okay, here it comes. And then she's like, what? But you did it for a real specific reason. And I think the topic you gave her was so appropriate because it wasn't like a, I'm going to you know, cause and affect you into submission. It was, I need you to think about the bigger picture here, which took you all day to come to, which probably until you walked right in you didn't know exactly how it was going to go down yeah but like how awesome because it wasn't like a that was a parenting out of inconvenience moment like no other and i'm a firm believer we have to do that you know it's not convenient to be a parent obviously um you spend the whole day worried about this but in her eyes in her mind she's thinking oh man the hammer's coming the hammer's coming but it was something so different it's that relationship before rules that a lot of people don't understand because of the nature of what you really wanted. It wasn't to make her feel bad or to like scare her into submission. It was, you need to think about what you're doing. Did it work? Did she do it? She did it. She did it. I made her rewrite it twice. (laughs) I love it. Even better. I didn't know that part. (laughs) Yeah. She did it though. Um, And then after I asked him also, how hard was it to sit there in your thoughts without me telling you anything about mm-hmm. it. And she's all, that was way different than what she was used well, to. Well, you know, and without getting into too much detail, we don't want to embarrass her for life, but like the way that you even structured wasn't just how do you feel it, but like how would you feel about this through someone else's eyes, like your sister's eyes? Like the way you did that was so freaking brilliant that it wasn't like her, she couldn't really pull a victim card because she wasn't at that point talking about herself. 
she's talking about herself through someone that she cared about in the family. And it's like, holy crap, <laughs> you know? I mean, talk about a powerful thing. Like, I'm thinking to Marissa and I, we better start going to the gym and working all day before we start <laughs> punishing our children. Because I'm like, that was flawless. But it was that relationship that you built. Has it had the effect that you wanted in the relationship? Not even the behavior, because that's a whole different thing. But in that relationship where now she's like, oh my gosh, my mom gets this. Well, maybe it's too soon to say because it wasn't that long ago. But what do you think? First, I'm just so grateful to have her in my life. Like, I didn't see her for seven years. She's a cute kid. Yeah, she she is. Definitely tell she's your daughter. She definitely is. Mm -hmm. Even with her attitude, she's got her um, no nonsense, no filter Mm -hmm. um, attitude, which is good. She needs to learn to censor it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. she's amazing. And she seven blows years. me away. Seven years. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So you feel like you had to like step on like eggshells or did you feel like, no, she's going to know who I am and what I'm about. And so. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Like I approached it in a whole different way for so long. I've always prayed that she'll call me and just need me for any advice for anything like even if it's, can we talk for a minute? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's what I wanted. I wanted whatever it took. And um, she called me, and it was a little different situation mm-hmm. where she ended up coming and living with me right away. And right. when I picked her up, I'm all, well, before we do anything, I need to show you how I live. And if you choose me, this is how we're going to live, and we're going to struggle we're gonna for roll. a while. Yeah. yeah, so you didn't... You didn't even Disneyland it. You're like, let me show you what's going on. And so it may look like you're jumping out of the pot into a fire, but let's see where you can land before you feel like you're burning up. That's genius. And she chose to be with me, and it was amazing. There's one point where she kind of thought that she was causing me more trouble than it was worth, and that's not even a little bit. And you know why it's not a little bit? Because you've dealt with a thousand times more difficult to her. She's thinking this is, this could be a deal breaker, but for you, you're like, are you kidding? This is a Monday morning. <laughs> you know? yeah. Does that make sense? That's what makes you so flippin' unique. Janelle is that you, no matter what comes down the pipeline, you've dealt with experience and probably you know, conquered more difficult, harder. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think it's kind of cool that she'd look at it that way, but you're like, there's nothing, you know, this is nothing you don't, you know, because she doesn't know all you've been through and the things that you've done. So to her, I love the fact that she's looking at it like, I hope this doesn't inconvenience you. But you're like, no, nah, I can I can win this battle. This is not a big thing to me. Does yeah, that make sense? this is okay. <laughs> and the fact that you were ready, because I have a, I have a sibling who's, who was in a situation where for years DCFS asked her to get a job, stay clean, and test clean, right? Couldn't do it fought the state for years, lost all of her children. It was a horrible experience for her, and now she's just bitter. But I said, there will be a time when you have to be ready because these kids do this thing called grow up, and they'll want to find you. You have to be ready. And she didn't, and she wasn't. And as that age came and those kids looked for her, they found an empty shell of a woman. The fact that you were ready, that you could receive her and the other ones at a level where you're like, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm still learning and growing, but I'm good now. Huge, huge. Because if you weren't ready, it wouldn't have worked. If you'd been fighting against the machine, wouldn't have worked. Do you see it? I do see it. I see, I see it so much. Like I see that everything worked out so perfectly and phenomenally. Like, and it's things that I never really thought it would and mm-hmm. the way it did. Like she called me when I was mentally ready, mm-hmm. maybe not financially ready, but I was emotionally ready mm-hmm. and I was mentally ready and I was willing to do whatever it took right. to be a part of their lives. And I think that that's the first time any of my kids have mm-hmm. seen that. Like even my oldest daughter, Tanisha, and to have her come back into my life and the other day she said, well, you've earned your right back because I was crying because uh-huh. we were signing the lease to our place where she's yeah. going to live with us, too. And it was just so amazing. And they haven't felt that before. Right. I haven't given that. You right. know? And Well, I think so much of that, too. And I think as they get older and stuff, they start learning that a lot of that stuff um, was kind of out of your control, too. A lot of those years were 
were uh, a stewardship between you and an abusive relationship and just a mindset of scarcity. And so now that you've dis distanced yourself away from that and can become the person that you are, this is the natural you. And we haven't seen anything yet. I can tell. Like, here you go. Because of who you are and given the right set of tools and the circumstances you find yourself in that now you can create, sky's the limit for you. Like, you're just getting warmed up in my eyes because I see the potential in what you can do. You know, and yeah, may not be the most financially set and sound individual. Most of us aren't. But that's not what it's about. It's about you being able to work hard, to have a good sense of integrity, and to you know love your family and give them you know the the time they need. It's just time. You're willing to do that. That's huge. It's a big deal. A couple years ago, would you ever think you'd be here? Never. What were I, you gonna say? I never thought that I would be here. I never even imagined it. Like when people say, "Give that life up," God has a better plan. I was like, "What kind of plan would He have for yeah. me?" I'm like, I would have been happy with being a waitress for the rest of my life and living in a studio apartment. I was like, that that's my life. I'm okay with it. I accept it. And so much more has happened. Mm -hmm. So much more has happened. And so much more keeps happening. Like I applied for school. I have another job interview at a treatment center. So like life is good. It's so cool. Well, and just your willingness to serve out of your inconvenience, to parent down to your inconvenience. All these things, I think, the uh, recipe for not just parental success and recovery success, but for life. You know, I mean, again, you'd be a person that, uh, you know, you don't candy coat things. You don't try to, you know, blow smoke where, you know, where it's going to be you know, misinterpreted as, as like positive feedback when you have to kind of be the heavy hand. I think it's really kind of a cool thing that you're willing to keep your integrity even if it means hurting someone's feelings just by being honest because i mean that's not what we're usually doing in life we're trying to make everyone else feel better put out fires before the next one starts and we end up kind of dumbing ourselves down to the point where we become these empty shells you're not that person anymore and there's no way you know from some of the advice you give to people on facebook right down to some of the things i've seen you do just with your family it's, it's incredible i'm curious as we kind of wrap some of this stuff up what advice do you give for someone who's in your position, who's like where you were, you know, six, nine, ten months ago, a year ago? What do you tell her when she's like, deep breath, here I go, I got to change something? What do you, what advice do you give? You got to change more than something. <laughs> you have to change everything. Mm -hmm. And with no expectations, I didn't expect my kids. I just hoped for a relationship with them. I didn't expect all of this just your kids can't have you without you having you mm. and it doesn't make sense until it does and i don't know how to explain that more like once you realize that you're good enough then you can learn how to be good enough for your kids because mm -hmm. you need to make sure you're the person that deserves your kids mm -hmm. and it's do you like that philosophy I try to teach? It's a privilege, not a right. You see I it, live don't you? by your philosophies. So many of them. So it's crazy. Like so many of your philosophies, but you see it, don't it's you? A, yeah. And it's not like a mean, vindictive, like mm -hmm. better than thing. It's, it's a privilege, not a right. And it's both ways. Mm -hmm. Like it's a privilege, not a right for my kids to be in my life. And it's a privilege for me to be in theirs. Yeah. And it's a privilege to have any relationship. And if you approach that situation and connections like that, you make lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. I've made some of the most amazing friends I've never even knew existed. I thought that it was all just a fairy tale. And right lies like you guys are just being like <laughs> you're just being nice yeah you don't mean it and when you live in relationships with that philosophy mm -hmm. it makes it open to be so much more than you can imagine that that makes me so happy to hear you say that because i firmly believe that you know specifically for for uh, for people and for situations like yours you know where it's like yeah, you shouldn't have to, you know, change the, who you are to, to serve someone else. You know, it's a privilege to have a relationship with us. 
and it's funny there was one review on 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 the website when we worked up there that said uh that therapist up there is so cocky. He's like, you know, oh, it's a privilege of a relationship with me. I'm like, you totally <laughs> missed it, man. You don't deserve to. I'm like, I'm glad you wrote that because it tells me you didn't get it, you know, because it's not about me. It's about all of us. Like, it's a privilege to have a relationship with you. And, you know, and so we don't violate the trust. We don't do stupid things because we want that relationship, you know. And so, unfortunately, there are people, family members that do not qualify. They, they It's a privilege, and they, they try to take advantage of it. And I'm like, mm-mm-mm. And it sucks and it hurts because there's one thing you always want is your parents to be proud of you, but mine are non-existent. So I focus on the things that I can I can do with my family, and it's just as good. But it's still sad. And if they come around, I'll let them in. But it's a privilege, and they have to know that, that it can be taken away as fast as it was given. But I'm so glad that you said that because I think it's a big thing. And for listeners, I like, you know, you know sensitivity to, to her story because of of the reality that you're still very much in it, you know, and there's, there's so many more things that, uh, Janelle's experienced, um, that, uh, have kept me in awe because of the significant emotional toll that it could have taken easily could have buckled you and thrown you back into addiction, but you chose not to, despite all the things you've, you've hit and swung at and, you know, begin to conquer the listeners won't understand the, the, the significance behind the turbulence you've faced other than I can tell you, you've done it and you're still here. And so uh, the advice that she gives about becoming one with yourself, take that to heart, right? I mean, really, you can't do it for anything or anyone else other than you. You've done that. Does it seem as foreign now when you're like, I need to go to the gym for me? Goodbye, big guys. I'm leaving for an hour. Do you feel guilty anymore? Do you feel like you can do that now? Absolutely not. I don't feel guilty for doing anything i always put thought into everything that i do and i don't feel guilty it shows i make a choice and i'll stand behind it i think that that's a big deal you say something stand behind it i love that i love that because it's that that mentality of popeye are you old enough to know who popeye is i am okay yeah you, you, you stalled there for a minute i'm like oh i date myself now but his concept his philosophy was i am what i am and that's all that i am which means you have to have a very internal perspective on who you are to be able to be that at all times. Um, you are a woman of integrity and a woman of extreme wealth and knowledge. And I think that uh, you getting into the treatment world, watch out because you get it. And it's you, you, you won't be able to pull a wool over your eyes. You'll be like, ah, you're full of crap, person. It's just because you've been there. You've seen it. And you know what it takes to, to move away from it. So I think the concept today, as we wrap this up, listeners, Become one with you first. Um, and, you know, all those things that have happened in the past, they're never too far gone, correct? Never. I mean, it's a big deal. The other aspect that I think I want you to take away from what Janelle's been talking about is the aspect of service, being able to serve others to help, you know, the foundations of you kind of you know, like become stronger. It's what Step 12 is all about. It's about serving. It's what we do in Addict to Athlete. It's absolutely what they do in Addicts Fighting Back. You know, I mean, from the stuff you've done with the homeless, I remember watching you guys uh, invite us to participate in the homeless thing there. It was early, late November, early December. When was that? Because it was freezing outside. It was so cold. It was, I think it was early November. And watching um, Jason and you and everybody put this together. And I remember just kind of stepping back and seeing Addict to Athlete kind of intertwined and walking around with you guys. I thought... I never thought this stuff would happen. You know, usually in these situations, um, it's us against them and who can do the most. But it's like, this is real and the intentions are real and they're genuine. And watching that, you know, with the with Judge there and all that stuff, I'm like, holy crap. Like, this is a big deal. So you're not just, you know, just talking words, you're, you're, you're producing action. And so service is what it's about when it's, con- when it's, when you're able, when you're able to conserve any of your inconvenience, right? Yeah. I dig it. Service provides so much different things for you. Mm-hmm. Like when you're stuck in, why did this happen to me? Go do service because it's so weird how it switches. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what happened to you. It's, but you know what? This happened to me. And guess what? I am what you still do with doing it. something. Yeah. I'm doing this with it. Yeah. It's awesome. We call that turning a mess into a message. I don't know if you've ever heard me say that. 
never. I don't know so much. <laughs> I say that until recently. I'm like, I say that a lot. It's a little tagline. So listeners, um, reach out, uh, get to know us, be part of the team, jump online, um, you know, addictathlete.org. Our social media pages are out there. I mean, shoot, we're even on TikTok. You've seen our TikToks. Yeah. Oh, man. I loved, I'm addicted to TikTok because of you guys. It's all I your fault. Too. Yeah. <laughs> we want to get into Coach Blue over there. But nonetheless, I want to give a shout out and thanks to Radio Ronin for uh, Joshua, Chunga, um, Spencer, and Chandler for all that they do for Team Addict to Athlete on the Radio Ronin Network. Listen to the Radio Ronin podcast. It's awesome. There's It's, it's comedy. It's funny. Um, if you're from the Utah area, you get to kind of reconnect with things that you might have forgot about the state. If you're outside of Utah, it's even better because then you can make fun of us. It's awesome. Um, but there's other there's other podcasts on there as well, music, all kinds of stuff. So thanks, Chunga, for all that you do on Radio Ronin. Athletes, reach out to us at addictathlete.org, blue at addictathlete.org, marissa at addictathlete.org. And jump on to the uh, Addicts Fighting Back uh, uh, website. Uh, how do they get in contact with you if they want to get involved with helping with the homeless and, and kind of helping you know, Addicts Fighting Back? What's the best way to connect to get information on that? What do they do? So we have a website. It's addictsfightingback.com. And we also are on Facebook. It's a private group, but if you request mm-hmm. to be in it, you'll pretty much get approved if you're legit yeah just check and make sure make sure you're not in it for the wrong reasons yeah right and that's awesome because you guys do a lot of advocacy a lot of support to the homeless population to help fight addiction on the front lines um you have a a a retail store online where you can buy some of the gear and kind of represent that way and help out yeah we so that's addicts fighting back as well you can just Mm -hmm. get on the store as well and buy the gear once a month we go feed the homeless and we give them warm clothes you can always get involved with that it's a big it's a big issue right now it's significant and uh need to get jason on here to talk more about his his line of work and what he wants to do with it but nonetheless jump on there check out there's always there's always need and there's always room for for more support and service so athletes until next time as usual go turn your mess into a message